I don't think people truly understand how low the rate of interest is right now. The interest rate is just so low. It's historically low for the United States. And I want to show you an example of how low it is to really let people's minds wrap around what's going on. I'm going to do this by showing you how I bought a house for free. Now, I live in Canada, and in Canada, there's something called an RRSP loan. Um, essentially, it's a similar to a 401k. This lets you put pre-tax dollars into your investment account, and you basically are taxed at a lower rate when you do this. So to make it super simple, because we're a podcast and numbers are hard to hear just only audibly without the visuals, any dollar that you put in your 401k or RSP, you get about a 30% return on. Instantly, just 30% return. Now, money in RSP, when it's withdrawn at a future date, you do have to pay taxes on it. But the way I look at it is if I put 10 grand into my RSP, I get like three grand back in my tax return. Instant 30% return. That three grand, I can take it, put it in my uh, TFSA, which is similar to a Roth IRA, and I can grow that income tax-free, easy peasy. So as me, as someone who's you know in the market, I want to buy a house, right? What I did is I put a bunch of money in my RSP, probably over 35000 And 35000 if you do the math real quick, that's a free ten to twelve grand just on your tax return. So you get twelve grand on your tax return that now you're able to again throw in your TFSA Roth IRA and grow that tax free. What I mean by grow tax free is normally when you sell stocks, you have to pay capital returns. If you put your money in a Roth IRA and you make it grow, you don't have to pay tax um, capital gains on that. So you get to have your stocks grow, and when you sell them, you don't pay any tax on it. Genius system. Absolutely, incredibly genius. So with all that in mind, I have 12 grand that I can do whatever with. I throw that in the market. In Canada, you can actually withdraw money from your RSP to buy your first house. In America, they let you take loans against your 401k to also buy your first residence. And you can pay it back in Canada around 15 years. In America, I think it's around 10 to 15 years you can pay back your 401k. So now that I have 12 grand, I withdrew 35,000 of my own money. And, you know, I went 50-50 on a house with me and my spouse, Kevin Hat in the building, um, on a house. But my overall down payment for my side was only like 20 grand. It was actually like 90 grand. And that's down payment plus closing fees and all of that stuff. It was only like 19,000. So effectively, my tax return of 12 grand paid for most of that. And I was able to draw $35,000 for a down payment. And I didn't even put all of it to my down payment. I paid the minimum amount I could, which is the 19 grand. And the rest I just put back in the stock market. And I have 15 years to pay myself back. Rather rate, pay myself back to my RSV. Now, here's where things get interesting. 
And I'm going to share to you with you how I really bought that house for free. Right now, interest rates are historically low. In Canada, I think the federal rate or the rate that the banks loan from the National Bank of Canada is like 0.5%, which basically dictates all the other rates. And my mortgage rate ended up being in Canada for five years fixed. In Canada, they typically do a shorter five years fixed versus the 25 and 30 year fixed that you get in the States. But for five years fixed, my interest rate was 1.39%. I'm sorry, 1.39%? Do you understand how low that is? For every $100,000 that I borrow, I will only owe, head math, $100,000, around $1,300 dollars a year i borrow a hundred thousand i don't have to pay a thousand dollars to borrow it that's insane matter of fact that literally means that they are letting me borrow that hundred thousand dollars or you know let's say my house costs around five hundred thousand dollars let's they're letting me borrow that mortgage for five hundred thousand dollars for you know interest rate of a thousand dollars a year so that's around five thousand dollars a year they're letting me borrow for seven thousand five hundred however it's really for free and to understand why that interest rate is so low that's for free you just have to understand the concept of inflation so i think this is better served as an example let's say that you borrow you have $10,000 that you borrowed on your credit card, right? $10,000. So you borrow $10,000 and your job pays you $10,000 a year. Now, for simplicity's sake, let's say that you don't have to spend any of the money that you pay for your job and you make and you pay no taxes. So you make $10,000 a year. So you know, in a year's time, you'll be able to pay off that credit card. Easy peasy, right? All of a sudden, inflation happens. Inflation comes and it's absolutely absurd. So that like you live in a world where, you know, inflation happens and everything goes up by a million dollars. So it costs you not five dollars to buy a Big Mac. It costs you a million dollars to buy a Big Mac. It costs you like. For your gym membership instead of three dollars a month. It's now a million dollars a month. I mean, we're seeing enormous inflation. To ride the bus, it's not $3. It's a million dollars to ride the bus. Everything in the economy has gone up by a million dollars. It's extreme hyperinflation. Jerome Powell just, just keeps printing the minute printer. It won't stop. And all of a sudden, all the money to your name has gone to zero. Now think about your job that pays you $10,000 a year. Let's say they haven't adjusted how much they're paying you in that year at all. It's still only $10,000 are going to pay you. And you, guess what? Even with everything in the economy going up by a million dollars, that credit card debt that you have of $10,000, 
is only $10,000. It doesn't get touched by inflation at all. And matter of fact, no matter how much your money actually inflates within that year, you're still able to pay off that $10,000 in credit card debt with your $10,000 salary. How amazing is that? And that's one of the ways to really understand what is meant by the concept of the real interest rate. Because when I go to the bank, my nominal interest rate is 1.39%. But when you minus out inflation, you get is what is known as the real interest rate number. So coming back to me as someone who you know bought a house, normally when you buy a house, they show you after 25 years how much money you'd end up really paying. So if the house costs 500,000 after 25 years, when when I factor in interest, it'll probably cost me around $750,000 totally because, you know, it's going to cost me an extra $250,000 of interest. I'm doing head math. The number's probably not that exact, but let's just say it's $750,000. That's going to cost me at the end of 250 years, sorry, end of 25 years where $500,000 of it will be for the mortgage and $250,000 will be for interest that I've paid in total on the place. Probably not that, probably a bit less or a bit more, but let's just go 750,000. Sounds like a nice whole number. That extra 250,000, it's actually zero. And do you see why, do you, do you see why? Because $100 today is more valuable than $100 tomorrow. Would you rather have $100 today, or if you had the choice, would you rather have $100 tomorrow? It's $100 today because you can spend it today. If your friend owes you money and says, do you want me to pay you back today or 25 years from now, you're going to pick today every time. Money is more valuable in the present, right? And your money normally goes down in purchasing power by 2% every year. But your debts, they basically stay the same. The purchasing power of paying off debt is always the same. It's never affected by inflation. So in a very, I guess, uncomplicated way, you can say debt is kind of like an inflation hedge. It really is. And that even though I owe 1.39%, every year on my mortgage realistically because inflation is around 1.5 percent or two percent it essentially means that the bank is paying me to borrow money or giving it to me for free here is another example and this is where you're going to understand why stocks are going up so much so when you just keep cash, let's say you have $100,000, $100,000 in your bank account, right? That cash the next year can't buy $100,000 worth of the stuff that it couldn't the year before. You can probably only buy $99,998 that it could the year before. And as someone that has $100,000 in cash, you're like, mm, 
that's not that's not a big deal. If I lose two percent of my hundred thousand, uh, you know, that I don't really care. I don't really feel it. It's not that much money. Yeah. I mean, I guess, right? A hundred thousand, two percent of it's like two hundred dollars. It's not that much money, right? However, just imagine instead of a hundred thousand dollars, you have a hundred million dollars. What's two percent of that loss per year? And now you see, because we to inflation to a hundred million dollars is a loss of two million dollars per year. Literally, if you're a company, you can hire like if you're a software engineering company, you can hire like five highly effective people for that amount of money, like extremely highly effective people with that amount of money. If you're McDonald's, you can employ for two million dollars. Oh, my God, what is that? Ten. It's like a hundred employees for 20 grand a year. Like that's it's really an insane amount of money. You're just losing to inflation. And when you start to get to the tens of billions of dollars, which a lot of money, as a lot of companies have $10 billion, 2% of inflation is, wait for it, on $10 billion, $200 million. Now that's a crazy amount of money to be losing to inflation. So once you start looking at the economy like that, where if a company is sitting on $10 billion and they don't invest it and they just keep it in cash, they're losing $200 million, you start to understand why the stock market is going up. Because these companies have to invest their money or they lose $200 million. If you're Apple and you have $10 billion in cash in your bank account, you have to do something with that money, whether it's buying your own share or just buying up as much small companies as you can. Because if you don't, you lose $200 million. Do you get it? Do you understand? (laughs) That's an insane amount of money to lose. And a lot of these people, you know, yes, they are, you know, they're lending their money out. Um, You know, basically the the big banks, they're lending their, you know, the Central Bank of America is basically, you know, lending their money out for like zero dollars (laughs) back or one point five percent back. But we, we live in an economy where at this point, you just have to invest your money or else you'll lose it to inflation. The opportunity cost of not lending your money out is just way too high. It's just absolutely way too high. And to all my you know super financial literate people who are very you know used to borrowing money, I mean, now is the time to borrow as much money as possible. It, it really is. And to a lot of people, if you know you don't want to just borrow money to put in stocks, because again, that's extremely risky. Uh, the least risky things you can do is, like I did, just buy a house. Because at this point, you know when you're factoring the real interest rate, not the nominal one, that one that you see, the real interest rate, which is really just the sticker interest rate minus inflation. When you factor in in that, that's what you're really paying per month. 
per sorry or per year to borrow funds to pay for that house. And once you start understanding why all of these companies are so desperate to invest their money because they're losing, you know, funds to inflation, um, you'll see why the stock market's going up. Now, remember, normally the inflation, the interest rate is not 0.5% in the economy. It's normally not 1% in the economy. Normally, it's like 4%, 5%. So companies could, you know, buy bonds and be guaranteed a return of 4 or 5%, which again is 2 or 3% higher than inflation. They have a, you normally have a guaranteed investment to get a guaranteed return on their money. But when, you know, weird things start happening in the economy, when the interest rate is lower than an inflation rate, because at that point, right, if you bought a bond that's paying you half a percent, and the interest rate, you know, if the bond's only paying you half a percent per year, right, and the inflation rate is 1.5% in a year, then by investing in bonds, you're actually losing a percent in the year. So because of that, you have to put your money into riskier assets, such as stocks, such as Bitcoin. You know, you have to put your money in riskier areas because if you don't, inflation is going to eat all of your money anyways. There is no safe place to store your money. There is no safe place to store your capital. There's no guaranteed returns. You're in a world where you need to take risk or else you lose your money. And in that environment, I mean, you can easily see why the stock market is absolutely on fire. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investor, they never stop learning. It's always interesting, you know, doing these podcasts that have a lot more numbers in them. And, you know, I try to stay away, try to go for the more visual examples. But I do think the free house example is a really interesting way to understand the relationship between inflation and interest rates. And, you know, I was really trying to accomplish two things with this podcast. Um, One, show you why literally right now you can borrow money from the bank for free to buy a house. Well, at least in Canada, like 1.5% for five years fixed. At that point, you're getting an interest rate where you're paying basically um, zero dollars because when you factor in inflation, they're letting you borrow for free. And two, the other thing I really wanted to show was the fact of the matter of um, when you see why the interest rates are so low and how it affects the economy, you'll understand why asset prices are going through the roof. Every company is now a higher risk stock investor. There is no safe pension fund strategy right now. There is no safe one. You have your money in bonds right now, and you were before you're making four to five percent. All of a sudden, your fund is making two to three percent, and you're paying your pension fund managers one point five to two percent. That fund is essentially making zero dollars. And if interest rates stay low for ten years, you can't return zero dollars in your pension fund for over ten years. That makes no sense. That's not a 
good bet for anyone. You literally have to take risks. Matter of fact, if you're a pension fund manager, the real thing that you want to do right now is borrow money to invest in whether it's um, you know fixed income assets like bonds. You're borrowing money to you know leverage to buy bonds and hopefully get higher returns, or you're borrowing money to buy stocks, and that is what is it leading to these insane price valuations. If you like the podcast, it's at FlyStewie on Twitter and we, Fly Crew, how to take off. Yeah.